0: And they're amazing. How are you guys doing? You guys doing okay? Any happy people here? It's okay. You can be happy at church. You don't have to fake it till you make it, although it actually works sometimes, but... Well, hey, uh, I wanted to just kind of underline about Revival Communities. We're going to have these tables set up here again uh, when we're done here. And I just encourage, if you didn't come up last week, uh, come up this week and just check out some of these groups. they're really going to be an impactful part of our future as a church. And you're going to want to kind of get plugged in and maybe go to one or two and feel where God's kind of calling you to. So there's no, no lifelong commitment. We, no one's trained here to take like blood samples of like, I am here forever at that revival community. But there is uh, something really powerful about kind of stepping out of our comfort zones. I don't know about you, but stepping into a new group or a new community can feel uncomfortable. Is it just me? I mean, you can just feel a little foreign, a little uncomfortable, but man, it's amazing how God always meets us when we get out of our comfort zone. And so I just really encourage you guys, you know, uh, check out a Revival Community Group um, when they're up here afterwards. And uh, I want to just kind of uh, share uh, a quick story uh, about the the power of some of these leaders who are leading Revival Community Groups, and just us as a whole, us as disciples and followers of Jesus. So Okay, so a little bit about me, uh, I, love, I love athletics, I've been an athlete like my whole life, it's just, you know, some people are into like, I don't know, painting and art and stuff, I just, it's always been, it's always been like athletics for me, can anyone relate to that? I know it's not many, okay, so it's okay, you can, you can raise your hand, did someone say something funny? Everyone laughed. No, you're not going to tell me now? Okay, tell me later. Okay, so, uh, so I, I love athletics, I've always been into it, and so um, I took up skiing when I was like a teenager, and uh, how many of you know it's hard to ski in Ohio? Uh, there's just not many places above, like 30 foot above sea level, and so you got to go other places, and so uh, whenever I go skiing, um, every couple years I like to take a lesson, because skiing lessons are really helpful to like, kind of like find a new little thing to, to be better at. And so uh, I try to take like a ski lesson when I go skiing. Every couple of years, I'll take a, a new lesson and kind of practice it for a while. So uh, I am going to tell you guys about a story. The last lesson I had um, uh, was with this guy. And he was this really cool just, uh, first of all, uh, being with a ski instructor is amazing because they're so good at what they do. You know what I'm talking about? Like, he, he's doing stuff he's like he's probably about 68 years old and he's doing crazy stuff on his skis That i'm like worried for him you know what i mean but he's just nailing all these like crazy jumps and and, and flying down these slopes together and and so uh when you when you uh get uh, a ski instruction you usually are going to be with that person for like i don't know an hour to like three hours just depending on what you get so we were together for a while we we're going up and down the lifts a lot and um you know you get into some conversation and so we're talking on the lifts, and uh, I started asking him some questions about, hey, you know, um, you know, how long have you been skiing? And he's like, I've been skiing for 45 years. I'm like, man, it shows, you know. <laughs> uh, you know uh, what made you want to be a ski instructor? And now this is a really cool part of our conversation. He goes, you know, he goes, me and a bunch of friends, we moved up here into the mountains a long time ago. Uh, and we all just, we're, we're avid skiers, we love it. This is like a lifestyle for us. And they're even better than me. And he said, my friends, they started to become ski instructors. And for, for 20 years, he told me, for 20 years they told him, you should be a ski instructor. You know, you should, you should do this. And he's like, no, I don't think so. Like, you know, I'm trying to get better. That's what he told them. Like, I'm trying to grow. I'm not really ready to, to do the ski instructor thing. And so finally, after 20 years, his friends asked him so many times, that he finally gave in and said, okay, I'll do it. He signed up to be a in ski instructor, and so, uh, so he said, it's been amazing. So I said, what do, you like about, what do you like about being a ski instructor now? And he said, what I like about it is it makes me a better skier. When he is showing somebody else, it actually makes him a better skier. How many of us found that when we are sharing, when we're leading, it actually makes us a better disciple? Now, now some of us, it's like, okay, let me let me bring it home for you guys a little bit closer. Uh, maybe it's like having kids. Who here has like read a, a a story in the Bible to your kids, and you're like, I just had an encounter with the Lord, but like I should have known that already, and so I don't want to like tell them that like I'm encountering Jesus, but like I feel really filled up and feel like I need to be in that place more often. Be honest, who who's been there before? You know, the, 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 there's something about us, when we're discipling others, we become a better disciple. So that doesn't mean, you know, these revival community groups is where we're going to be discipling with the Lord, with one another, like from some of these leaders, but also just, just believer to believer. There, there's something powerful about that. And, but some of us just in our homes, you guys, you need to find opportunities to disciple somebody. Because it makes you a better disciple. It it makes you a better disciple. So go find a revival community group. All right. Okay, are you guys okay? I don't have a watch on today, and I've done that like three times. So I'm going to try my best to remember I don't have a watch on. Well, hey, uh, I have a word for today that I really, it's really on my heart to share. Um, And so before we get into that, uh, I want to give you guys, can I give you guys a really quick update on the Normandy Project? So the Normandy Project. For those of you who don't know, the Normandy Project is, is an endeavor that uh, we've been on as a as a community to bring um, to bring healing, to bring wholeness, and to bring uh, a changing of the expectation of what it looks like for uh, human human trafficking efforts to go to a new level in our area in Central Ohio. Anti-human trafficking efforts. What's that? Yeah, I don't know what he's saying. Okay, Uh, so so the Normandy Project, what we've done is we've purchased a building in downtown Columbus, okay? It's on Broad Street, and we're in the process right now of making that into the vision of what God gave us. There's lots of information in the lobby. There's, like, pictures of what it's going to look like. You can find all that information out, but I want to give an update. Oh, great. Thank you. Um, I wanted to give an update about the Normandy Project. So during quarantine and during all this stuff, uh, how many of you found things are delayed, like mail, things like that? Uh, We have been still able to make great progress on the Normandy Project. So I want to give you an update. We, we, we successfully completed our abatement, which is removing all the toxicity from the building. So all of that stuff that uh, if you're there for that long, you don't, have to, you don't have to wonder if there's something here that can kill me because it's a really old building. Uh, all that stuff is gone. Thank you, Jesus. And so that was a really big process, a really expensive process. But we were able to do it because of everyone's donations. It's totally done and clear. Now we're in the stage of, of uh, the next stage is, is like full demolition is beginning to kind of map out the actual uh, demolition and then planning for those renovation stages as well. Does that make sense, guys? I want to give you guys a quick update. So you guys, thank you so much for giving. Everything's still moving forward, although, uh, you know, we don't get a chance to share it at this much detail as often as we would like, but we just want to let you guys know, it's still moving forward. We need donation for this next, this next uh, phase. So anytime you want to give, just as a reminder, you can give to the Normandy Project by writing the Normandy Project and putting it in our offerings, or you can kind of select it online, or there's a black box out there, or I can just come to your house. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but anytime you want to give, just as a reminder, I want to thank you guys that we have so, we have so many people here and who are connected to us who faithfully give week in and week out. That it's on like monthly giving repayment i just want to thank you guys because without that it might be that twenty dollars a week twenty dollars a month thirty dollars a month that you guys are continuing to do and i'm just letting you know it enables us to continue to move forward so thank you guys so much and uh, if you want to give please do so none of the money for the normandy project the anything we're doing with that comes out of our tithes and offerings does that make sense So we're not taking any finances from the church and putting it into that. It's all separate. So anytime you guys want to give, I just encourage you guys to give. It's going to be awesome. We'll have another update really soon. But the abatement is done. We're so excited about it. Now we can really start moving forward with demolition and renovation and, and things like that. You guys good? Okay, that was a lot of extra stuff for today. Uh, so I want to do this. We're gonna, I got a message we're going to share today, um, and, and it's going to be something that is going to stir us uh, rather than kind of a note-taking session. This is going to be a stirring session. Are you guys ready? All right. Maybe, maybe one or two. It's okay. It's okay. I get it. You're like, you're in church. Should I be excited about that? I don't, I don't know. Is that good? Um, but before I get there, I want to do this. I want you guys to share with someone around you, and you can keep social distance if, if you prefer. Totally cool. Um, I want you to just share with someone around you one thing you're thankful for this week. So just take a moment. What, what is one thing that you're thankful for this week? What's one specific thing that you're thankful for? And whatever that is, go ahead and share with somebody. Uh, if you're with your spouse, uh, get out of your comfort zone a little bit and go talk to somebody else. Just kind of turn to someone around you. You can talk to one another, but make sure you turn to someone around you and maybe connect with someone uh, that, that, that you didn't come here with. We're going to... Take just 60 seconds. And if you're at home right now and you're listening, why don't you go ahead and then type in the comments uh, on any of the social media outlets that you uh, are, are connecting to right now. Why don't you go ahead and type in the comments something you're thankful for. Go ahead and type it in right there. And uh, we have someone who's going to give an amen and an awesome uh, and, and celebrate that with you. So go ahead and just and type that in. Awesome. Okay, it looks like most of you guys are wrapping up. Just give you guys another couple moments, a couple seconds here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Whew. I feel like we're like start stopping a lot, but it's fine. Who here, needs, who here needs, needs healing in their body? Just go ahead, stand up right now. You need healing in your body, just go ahead and stand up. Those around them, we're just going to come into agreement. This isn't a show that we're looking to see what God's going to do. We're believers who usher in the presence. Does this make sense? All right, maybe you guys weren't ready for that. That's fine. Um, I want you guys, everyone around them, you don't have to get up. I want you to just stretch out your hand. I want you to participate. I want you to ask the Lord, before you just kind of do this general, like, get them all, Jesus. Before you do that, I want you to ask the Lord right now who you're supposed to pray for in the room. Everyone standing, I want you to look around. For those of you who are seated and everyone else who's standing, I want you to look and see who God kind of catches your eye. Just take a moment rather than like, just, yay, sovereignty, Jesus movement. No, no, no. I want, you to, I want you to just kind of look around and see who, and there's people in the back, so we, you might need to turn around. I want everyone to have a hand pointed at them in a moment. Okay, so go ahead. Whoever God's highlighted to you, I want you to go ahead and just, just stretch out your hand, and we're not even doing a whole lot of interviewing of like what's going on. I want you right now, the one that God highlighted to you, you're just gonna stretch out your hand in faith that the one he highlighted to you is the one that he's gonna move on. Does this make sense? Okay, so Holy Spirit, we say come. Now, now this is where you go ahead and just kind of pray out. Just pray out for a moment. Holy Spirit, we thank you. I want you to attach your faith. You already heard God. that he has, He's already showed you the one that's on his heart. And right now, attach that same level of expectation that he's going to meet them. So, Father, we thank you right now. We thank you right now, Lord, for stirring up, Lord, just that, 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 that river, that gift, that well, that, 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 that overwhelming sense of your healing power, God, right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that you at the cross, you took up all of our sicknesses and all of our sins, all of our disease, Jesus, that you fully paid for it. So right now, we just release what you paid for at the cross in Jesus' name, and we just command every disease, every sickness, any infirmity, any nagging injury right now in Jesus' name. We break you off in Jesus' name, and we release healing over you right now. In Jesus' name, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Now go ahead, if you can, go ahead and test out maybe an area. I saw a wrist. I saw someone's wrist getting healed, and I also saw a back. God was touching a back. Go ahead and just test it out real quick. We're, we're not in a rush, so go ahead and test it out. See if it's doing any better. If it is, give us like a two-hand wave. I can't, it's hard to see up here with these lights. All right, I'm seeing no two-hand waves, so that means, okay, come on, Jesus, come on. Amen, there we go, amen. All right, now now those of you who didn't get healed, uh, stay standing. Yes, you didn't know what you were getting into, it's okay. And we're going to pray again. You know, Jesus, are you guys good? Like, I, Listen, I lead ministry schools. This is what we're called to do as believers. If you're, if you're looking for the third song of worship to engage, if you're looking for the third point of the message to engage, you're not going to engage today. It's either it's now or never. Are you guys good? Can I push us a little bit? Can I bring us to that place? So what I want to do, we're going to pray again. And here's why we're going to pray again. It's because Jesus saw a blind man, and Jesus prayed for him, and the blind man got partially healed the first time. Now, I feel like that verse is in there just for me to encourage me that Jesus actually prayed for someone and they didn't get healed fully. So he said, what do you see? He says, I see like trees, people, but they look like trees. Jesus laid his hands again. The man was fully well. That gives me at least, you know, 20 times that many attempts if Jesus had to do it twice. So what right now, we're gonna, you're going to stand up again, everyone who needs healing, and the person that was highlighted to you, that those of you sitting, the same person, you're going to come into agreement again. And this time, you're going to pray for the breakthrough in. You're going to pray, and not, not just, you're going you're gonna to pray. Are, are you guys ready? All right, go ahead, stretch out your hands. And I, I'm not going to pray, you're going to pray. If you're at home right now, we just release healing over your body. In Jesus' name, wherever you're listening from, we release the breakthrough of the Lord. Psalm 103 says that by his, that he has taken up all of your sins and sicknesses, who can redeem your life from any pit. It says in Isaiah that by, your, by his stripes, you are healed. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Kata Now go ahead and just test it out again and give us the two-hand wave if you're feeling breakthrough, if you're feeling something shift, something change. Awesome. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give God a little bit of... (laughs) It's okay, I get it. We're doing a lot. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, the supernatural... It's not a compartmentalized part of God. It's who he is. It's his nature. The kingdom of God is not of this world. You know, as believers, how many of you know, we have nothing to give if we don't have a kingdom to give away. If you're just just a believer that that you're just becoming a better person, you are, according to Paul, the pity of the world. That I'm the pity of the world. If I'm just a better person because because of knowing Jesus... I've missed it all, that we've missed it all, that as believers, we have an invitation to carry a kingdom inside of us. Okay, if this doesn't get you guys fired up, I need you to leave the church maybe and like go encounter the Lord and come back. And I'm not looking for yays and emotional things, but am I connecting to your heart at all right now? And I know we went from zero to 100. Guys, the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, we're not called to be consumers that we come and we kind of enjoy things. We're actually called to be men and women of God who are changing the world, changing history. You know, my, right now, we're in unprecedented times. If you don't know that yet, I, 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 yeah, I definitely can't help you. But we're in unprecedented times right now. Everything feels like it's sort of up for change, just for lack of a better way to describe it. Everything right now feels negotiable. Everything feels like, like how, how our schools going to run, how business is going to run, how, everything. Interactions with one another. Everything right now feels like it's up in the air. And there are very few times in our lives, in our lifetime, that you're on the edge of major change. There's just very few times in your lifetime That a major shift comes in the places that you live, the places that you work. You know, my question for us today is who wants it? Who wants to bring change? Who wants to bring influence? And I'm not talking to you, we'll talk about this in a second. I'm not talking about what you can do. I'm talking about what God can do right now. I'm talking about this, is is that when we look through history, when we see moves of God, it was always on the edge of a societal issue. Does this make sense? That, listen, right now, right now, there's a move of heaven already has a move of God ready to release. We don't have to pray it, but we do need to step into it and engage. Does this make sense? We don't need to ask God for a great move, we need to see Him release it. It's already prepared. I don't know if you're getting this. It's already prepared. A move of heaven is already prepared. How many of you know we need a move of heaven? That all of our leaders, all this stuff, they, listen, man's wisdom won't get heaven to invade. Yeah. That it's up to believers to actually storm the throne of heaven and release the breakthroughs of the Lord. But we're in a time and a season where it's not just these, these, one, these one-off breakthroughs. Now, we're in a season where here's our prophetic challenge. Who will go into the throne room and pray with Jesus? Who will pray with him? Who will who will engage with him? That right now, who wants it? Is the question. Now some of us there might be some conviction there because maybe there's not an instant hunger. I have great news for you. You repent of that, God will give you hunger. Isn't that amazing? I mean it's a good deal even if you feel in a place that I'm not, I don't feel anything, you know, I have talked with so many people over the last two weeks that they've just kind of chosen to engage with something and God broke through. Now, in the past, we have to be able to move with the Lord. It says that as children of God, we're led by the Spirit. Are you guys okay? Yes. We're going to get to Scripture. It's going to be like, you know, legal. You don't have to write Jim that Sean was way off of it. We're called to be led by the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Just, just, just be with me for a moment. We're going to go somewhere really specific. We're called to be led by the Spirit. That means that the Spirit does things that we don't do. The Spirit can change the way that he's, he's speaking, he's moving. Now, our old operating system, you know, you may have been connected. How many feelers are out there that you, you connect with the Lord through, like, emotion and feeling? Like, like you feel the presence, Come on, put your hand all those feelers out there. So the feelers in the room, sometimes we rely too much on that gift in order to move with God. That as, 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 as believers, we're led by the Spirit, not by the way that we like to be led. Just, just keep, doesn't mean, doesn't mean God's going to take away that kind of that strong gifting, right? But it does mean we have to be flexible and able to move with him outside of what we normally do. That if we're feelers, I have news for you. I, this is, I believe the Lord has shut off feeling right now. He's massively turned the volume down on that feeling anointing so that we now have to see, he He can see what's really inside of our hearts. Does this make sense? And, 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 and there's a call to go. There's a call to engage. But it might not be led by your feelings anymore. It might come out of a place of just pure hunger for God. It might come out of a place of simple obedience. It might come out of a place of what God has poured into you for years and years. Will you allow yourself to be led by your history with God? Will you allow yourself to move into a place that I know that it is right for me to pray or to fast or to X, Y, and Z? And I'm not getting the email from the Holy Spirit to do it but I'm just going to go ahead and and do that and partner with God. Does this make sense? Now, this isn't about just striving and doing it your own way or moving outside of the presence, but we're in a place right now that we have to open up the radar of how God's speaking to us. We need to open up to how God wants to move. Can I share with you a story? So how many of you, I love revival history, I love biographies, those of you who are in CSSM, I, I, you know that about me, I just love them. And uh, I'm going to read you um, uh, a message from Evan Roberts, who was uh, you know, the, really one of, the, one of the strong catalysts of the Welsh Revival. How many of you are familiar with the Welsh Revival? Okay, I can't get into all of it today for time. It was an amazing move of God that led to Azusa Street, that led to major outpourings all over the like the world. The church got totally changed. People would come to different areas in this region, and they would walk into the town, and they would fall on the ground and weep and cry, and they didn't know why. And then they would, they would literally, they don't know why, these are, these, these, are, these are sinners, these are people who are backslidden, these are people that were way disconnected from God, can anyone relate at one point in your life? And what happened is they would literally go to an area, just a geographical region, they would go to go to a bar, and they would go, and before they could go into the bar, they'd be on the ground weeping and crying. And they wouldn't know why. And they literally just said, I need to go find a church. And they would go to these meetings that were happening. This was, this was sort of the epicenter of the Welsh revival. Does this make sense? That God came and actually poured out on a whole region that then, that then went global. Amazing stories of, of, of repentance, of salvation marked the Welsh revival. I mean, like outpourings, though. I mean, bars were closed because they were... They were they were in meetings. Now, you have to understand, meetings, the, the goal of revival isn't meetings. It's, you can say amen to that. It's okay. The goal of revival isn't more church. The goal of revival is reformation. The goal of, the goal of revival is heaven invading earth. But you have to understand, in some, this is 1904. Meetings was like the demonstration of heaven invading earth. Like, 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 like they came and they got, they, got, they got absolutely changed, transformed, undone. They would fall down weeping in the fear of the Lord. They would fall down weeping because their sins were forgiven. Let me read you an account. Evan Roberts, one of the catalysts of that, of that movement. You know, he was somebody that, this was a direct, this is like a, a Western mail like telegram. And he is sharing with Reverend Thomas Francis about kind of what happened and what was happening. Are you guys with me? He says this. This is the very beginning. He says, For 13 years, I had prayed for the Spirit, and this is the way that I was led to pray, is to always just pray for the Spirit to come. I said to myself, I will have the Spirit. And through all weather and in spite of all difficulties, I went to prayer meetings. Many times on seeing other boys with the boats on the tide out in the water, I was tempted to turn back and join them. But no, I said, I will keep moving on. And I remembered to be resolved in my faithfulness, to be resolute in my faithfulness. And so I went on. One Friday night last spring, when praying by my bedside, I was taken up to a great expanse without time and space. It was pure communion with God. Before, this far off God is what I had, but now I realize he was close. I was frightened that night. But never since. So great was my shivering that I rocked in bed, and my brother, being awoken, came and took hold of me, thinking I was ill. After that experience, I was awakened every night a little after one o'clock. This was most strange, for through the years I slept like a rock, and no disturbance in my room could awaken me. From that hour, I was taken up into divine fellowship for about four hours. What it was, I cannot tell you, except it was divine. About five o'clock again, I was allowed to sleep until about nine. At this time, I was again taken up into the same experience as in the earlier hours until the 12 o'clock hour. They questioned me at home. <laughs> "Why didn't I get up?" But it was too divine to say anything about it. This went on for about three months. You know, what started with engagement led to personal encounters, led to corporate breakthrough, led to a great move of God. It started with a place that says, I'm praying for the Spirit. Now, our language would be like this. We would pray things like, God, I I need you. I want you. More of you. Whatever that thing is. That it actually starts somewhere in the divine. And how many of you know, when we respond to the promptings of the Lord, he always is better than we think. That, that, that even if you're in a pit right now, if you're in a circumstance that you're, you're having a hard time even connecting to, like, hope for your future, here's an amazing thing. Any small act of obedience, God meets us, like, he just, like, shows up in it, and he's always better than we think. That he can redeem any pit, but he can also breathe life on any dream. Now, here is a man who just fell in love with God. How many of you love Jesus? Awesome. You're the same as this guy. He didn't have a greater love. He had the same love that you have because the, your love for God actually comes from the Holy Spirit. Are you qualified, to, are you qualified yet? Okay. Th- this person, he didn't have this hyper thing. He just had the Holy Spirit and he just his language was, I just really wanted more. I was just praying for the Spirit and I just made it a lifestyle. You know, Jordan had that word about distraction. I have seen so many. Many leaders in the church right now get off social media, taking breaks. Why? Because we are on the edge of an outpouring from heaven. Now, I know this is a grand word. This is a, a wide-angle lens word. But we are on the very edge. And those of you that are, those of us that engage with him now are going to be right smack in the middle of it as it flows, as he moves. You know, I love the nature of God, because your imperfection doesn't, isn't a problem for his perfection. Aren't you glad? You know, Gideon, God came to Gideon, and the angel of the Lord's like, mighty warrior, get up, you know, and Gideon's like, what? You know, Gideon was discouraged, he was defeated, he was disillusioned, he was full of anxiety, depression. He felt lost. He felt totally disconnected. And then an angel came, then the Lord spoke. And this person, who in the natural, was the least of all the mighty warriors, was called a mighty warrior before the Lord. And what happened? Gideon responded. Gideon began to respond. He began to be awoken to his calling of God on his life. And then what happens is then God goes out, thrashes his enemies, and comes back and says, Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. Gideon's like, this is a great deal. (laughs) Amen. You know, how many of you, how many of you know this? That the Spirit, it says in Romans, that the Spirit prays prayers that that only come out of groans. That the Spirit lives to make intercession. That he is constantly praying the move of God. He's constantly praying what heaven is doing. He's constantly praying according to Romans 8. That the Spirit lives to make intercession. Now here's the cool part. Uh, we learn to pray by praying. You don't learn to pray by studying. You don't learn to pray by thinking about praying. I'm so tired of people thinking about praying. Just pray. Like, like just pray. Like for the love, just pray. You'd be surprised by how God will show up when you just pray. You know, what happens is this. We show up to pray. Here's your part. Show up. Show up. You're going to see calling, giftings, awakening. All this stuff starts happening. It's crazy. You got to show up. And I'm not calling you to our Wednesday night prayer, although maybe God is. I don't know. I'm not I have no, there's no thing that you have to do. You just need to show up and engage where God is calling you to show up and engage right now. Because the move of God won't happen unless you show up. But Here's what happens. We show, are you guys still with me? We show up, let's just, just, just follow me here. We show up, when I say show up, we're going to show up for Jesus, right? We're just going to show up for God. It might be at home in the morning. It might be at a prayer meeting. It might be at that place that you're driving somewhere and you know you should go there and there's distractions. There's people in the, in the lake. Evan Roberts, there's people in the, in the, in the water and he said, no, I'm, I am going to be committed and faithful to where that prompting was that I started. How many of you know, when you start following something, the devil might come and try to distract you. That's why God is breaking off distraction. But that window don't take advantage of that thinking that's always going to be around there's a window right now to break off distraction and easily move into something don't don't think oh yeah that's awesome god's so faithful that's going to be around for a thousand more years no it's not it's a prophetic window right now for us to engage or not engage does it make sense so here's what happens. You, you step into that place. You show up. You, maybe it's a prayer meeting. Maybe it's Sunday morning. It's worship. Whatever it looks like. For you. It, it's a meeting down at the state house. There's just so many cool things going on right now. Maybe it's just coffee with Jesus in your, on your patio. So there were a lot of amens to that. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Amen. I love it. Here's what happens. When you actually go there, when you show up and you just start to pray without an agenda, Without, a, without a self-righteousness, without a, man, Jesus, I am just crushing this. Let's just engage. No, you just show up humbly. You show up broken. You show up not knowing what to pray. It's okay. The Spirit, Spirit's like, I actually do that 24-7. I have that totally covered. Come with me, and I'm going to speak to you. And the Spirit will give us something to pray. And then what happens is, it's like the spirit, he is just sitting there with all of this prayer, waiting for someone to come and take some of it from him. Should we, maybe we should read that. Go to Romans 8. It says this, and I didn't give these guys a slide so they not, might not be able to track with me, but Romans 8, I'm just going to do a couple verses here uh, in verse um, 26, Romans 8, 26, I'm going to read out of the NIV. 8.26. I'm going to read a couple of verses. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. How many of you have gone into that secret place, that prayer, and you're like, I can't get prayer out, but I feel the Lord. It's okay. Just groan. Just Engage. Engage with the Lord. Verse 27, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn, being Jesus, the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Those he predestined, he called, he called, he justified, he justified, he glorified. The Spirit makes intercession. We step into that place, and this is what happens. We kind of get these thoughts. Sometimes it's a groan. Sometimes it's a specific thought. You pray it out. God goes and does it, and he comes back and says, you're a mighty prayer warrior. <laughs> you're not even, you haven't even reheated your coffee yet, and God's already calling you a mighty prayer warrior. Does this make sense? In the natural, you just showed up and like prayed something. In the spirit, you actually just opened up an an avenue, a highway of holiness for the Lord to move. Because he's waiting for agreement. How many of you know heaven is waiting for agreement on earth? That's how this thing works is third heaven is waiting for agreement in first heaven, this world. Second heaven is kind of that atmosphere of spiritual warfare, angels, demons. This makes sense. And right now, third heaven is way too full of stuff to release. But right now, first heaven is way too sparse in the opportunity to to release it. Listen, empty prayer closets, when your prayer closet is empty, the devil gets really impressive. The devil will get very impressive You'll start being very impressed, maybe intimidated, move you into fear, anxiety, stress. When your prayer closet is empty, the forces of darkness get very impressive really quickly. So do yourself a favor turn off the news. Do yourself a favor, find that place of his presence again. Are you guys good? You know, the question keeps being, who wants it? Who's going to step into it? Who wants it right now? And it's not going to be led by emotion. It's going to be led by God wants to invade, so I'm going to step into that. You know, I quote, I quote some people often. Um, I love Oswald Chambers, one of my favorite authors, just, you know, very classical devotion to my almost first highest. I'm sure you guys have read it, or if you haven't, you totally should. It's awesome. Uh, and but I, I go deeper. I like to read the biographies. I geek out. And Oswald Chambers, I have his life works. You know, it's it's the thickest book I own. It's crazy. I don't even understand some of the English words he uses. I'm not kidding. And uh, Oswald Chambers, this is what he said about prayer. He says prayer, prayer doesn't position us for the greater works. Prayer is the greater work. You have to understand. Out of that place of intercession, everything happens. Do you see our, inter, our platform intercessors who are up here? Do you know why they're there? We're not there because we're like, oh, we're a church. We should like have people pray because they are releasing things in the spirit. They are in tune with the Lord. They're connecting with worship. We're, we're, we're actually in a place that we're benefiting by having his intercessors pour out and speak out what God is showing them. You know, Mother Teresa, one of my heroes, she said this, we need to find God, and he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. That God is a friend of silence. And we need silence to be able to touch souls. Silence involves putting some things down. Remember that word that Jordan gave? We don't coordinate at all. We don't talk. I mean, he's friendly, but we don't, you know, we're not like. There's a grace right now for distractions that easily, where there's been stronghold of distractions, it can fall off right now if you engage. To allow there to be space and silence and prayer. To allow the Lord to bring you up to these third heaven encounters. Listen, Evan Roberts, the Apostle Paul, these are people just like you and I. Do you know that? They didn't like do extra fasting or extra like giving or extra stuff. They just fixed their hearts on Jesus. You know, your third heaven encounter is probably a social media close away. I'm ser- I'm just being honest. And it's not because social media is bad. Money's not bad either, but it can be evil. Social media is not bad in itself, but it can be distracting evil. Man, maybe the the greatest thing you and I can do right now is to wage war with anything that would be a distraction from intercession. Anything that would be a distraction from engagement. It doesn't mean you just walk around at work like shika baba Kata, You know, like like I'm not working. I'm just like gonna do this thing. You know, it it just it involves this. It, It says that I am gonna push out everything in my life so that I can engage where God's calling me to engage. There's a reason we talk about someone like Mother Teresa. She's Catholic. I mean, there's a, why do we talk about her? Because she was written into history because of her lifestyle. That she changed a nation. And it wasn't because she had a great building pl- strategy, a great business strategy, a great plan for ministry. Evan Roberts, he wasn't going there saying, Lord, if you move this way, we're going to change the world. He just wanted Jesus. That we have to remove those distractions in this hour. Am I hitting that point okay with you guys? Like, we need to remove those distractions, not to be better people or even to be better Christians. It's because there's a move of God that's waiting for someone to agree. And it grieves my heart to think that what if we don't pray? What if we miss it? And I'm not, like, competitive, but, like, what if the movement happens in South Carolina that was supposed to happen in Columbus? Does this make sense? What if the move happens in Washington that's supposed to happen in central Ohio? What if the move happens in Washington, D.C.? What if the move happens in Baltimore? What if the move happens, I want all those moves to happen, but I need the move to happen in my region because I am a representative of heaven on earth. You are an ambassador of another realm. If you only pray when you have a problem, you have a problem. It's the idea that the Bible is meant to be bread for daily use, not cake for special occasions. (laughs) That the Bible is meant for daily bread, not cake for special occasions. Prayer is not supposed to be this compartmentalized like, well, about to pray right now. This is going to be powerful. I can't wait to do this and this and all that stuff. And and then we're going to step out of there. No, prayer is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of talking. It's a lifestyle of connecting. It's a lifestyle of intimacy. That if prayer only comes when we have a problem, that's a problem. And maybe even, the, it's ironic, maybe the bigger problem is God shows up even when prayer is just as a result of a problem. He still shows up. It, it, and it can reinforce, like, oh, yeah, my value systems are great. Whenever I have a problem, yo, he'll solve it. You know? It's like, whenever I have a problem, God will show up. The thing is, he's so good that he'll actually show up even when you just pray for a problem. But the move of God comes from believers. The move of God comes from the followers who are leaning in to those moments. Evan Roberts, just to get back to that story, you know, he could have missed a thousand prayer meetings. He could have missed two prayer meetings. Instead, he just went to every one. And then what happened? The breakthrough came in his own room. That when we're faithful with with a little, God will give us much. Now, I want to close with this. Are you guys good? I want to close with this. This is like a three-part closing, but it's really, it's closing, is this. Jesus, I think that we get some things confused about the nature of Jesus when it comes to what he's doing right now. See, right now, it feels like the Lord is silent. Can anyone just connect to that? Globally, corporately. Globally, corporately. Like, we're praying. We're not seeing the, the mighty breakthrough move yet. It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It just seems that way. You're not, like, throwing out your faith or anything. Pastor said to God, stop moving. I didn't say that. It seems right now we're in the breath, and heaven's about to blow out. We're in that breath right now, and heaven's about to pour out. That Jesus isn't, isn't sitting somewhere like, well, they got themselves in a jam. If someone really prays, I'll start moving. No, Jesus actually says, when I come back, I'm actually, I can't wait because I want to see if I find faith. That it says that he's alive forevermore. Can I get an amen? That, well, without the resurrection, our faith is futile. Good news, resurrection happened. Jesus is alive. So I want to read this passage. Because I want this to to kind of charge our hearts. It says this. I'm actually just going to read John 19, the John 19 passage, verse 28 and 30. It says this. Just track with me here for a moment, and then we'll close. It says, After this, now this is when Jesus was on the cross. He says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. And a jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine up in a branch of Hesop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore Jesus. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed in head and gave up his spirit. A lot of us are really familiar with that passage. He drank the sour wine so that we could drink the sweet wine of his presence. A lot of us are familiar with that. Now what I want to fast forward to now is John 20. This is just a couple sentences later. John 20 verses 1 through 8 says this. Now the first day, uh, and then this is after Jesus was uh, buried. Now the first day of the week, Mary Madeline, uh went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter, therefore, went out with the other disciple, who's John, and were going to the tomb. They both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. I'm sorry, that's, just, that's good every time. It's John's book. He wanted to make sure it was in there. And apparently God said, yeah, that's cool. You can put that sentence in there. <laughs> so they both ran together, and John outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes that were wrapped on Jesus lying there, yet he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief, the head covering that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but instead folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, John, who came into the tomb first, went in. Now he saw, and he believed. Now, I just want to press pause on this for a moment. Are we all at this scene? You know, in Jewish tradition, there is something that every good uh, Hebrew student, every uh, uh, every good young adult, would know, and it looks like this. In Hebrew culture, um, there is a master sort of of the house, and then a servant, someone that is sort of serving him. It might be a teenage son. It, it could be an apprentice of maybe the, the work that they're doing. It could be um, a rabbi and the rabbi's apprentice. And so here we have kind of a master and apprentice. And what happens is this: is that that the apprentice would serve the master, just like making things tidy, things like this, like when they're eating. Uh, would come and set the table right. How many of you are like, man, I could use an apprentice? All right, set set the table right. They would come in, the master would come in and would eat and dine together. And then when the master was done, when the master was finished, you know, they would come in and kind of clean up the table and clean everything up. Now, one of the markers, one of the communication tools that the apprentice, the servant would use is looking at the table when the master was finished eating. Is it time to clean it up yet? Now, if, the, if the, the napkins and the linens were kind of all disheveled and just kind of thrown all over the place, then it was time to clean up. But if the napkin was folded, it meant he's not done yet. You see, Jesus folded the napkin. He folded the head covering. Why? Because he's not done Now, John recognized that, and John believed because of what he saw. Peter didn't understand it. John recognized, as an apprentice, the master's not done yet. So we don't clean up the table, we wait. He's coming. The master's still working, he's not done yet. That when Jesus, when his linens were all over the place, his handkerchief, his covering, was folded in place and John recognized it so John believed where the others didn't yet how many of you want to believe when the others around you still don't how many of you recognize that Jesus said it is finished he didn't say I'm finished the work of salvation has been completed he is still on the move Now, Peter and John, now John was the one who rested his head on, on Jesus' bosom. He was the one who was, John is very clear about that, the one that, that Jesus loved. You know, that, that, that he, that's what he calls himself. That over and over, we see this really intimate relationship between John and Jesus. And out of that intimacy, John recognized what Jesus was saying by the folded handkerchief. That the Lord can speak something, but the one who's intimately connected to him sees what he's doing, can release what he's doing on the earth. The one that's not can see something and have a disconnect between what God's up to. Does this make sense? Our call in prayer is not just to do stuff. Our call with intimacy and engagement is not just to do stuff to make God happy. It's actually to lean in because he's constantly speaking that Jesus is still on the move. That he is not finished. You know, in what ways is God, what ways has God spoken to you to have a vision for something? What ways has God spoken to you about praying for something outrageous? How many of you know outrageous prayers get outrageous results? When I say outrageous, I mean bold prayers. I mean, stuff you're like, I don't even know if this is even possible, but God, you keep talking to me about it. Evan Roberts, God, I don't even know if this is possible, but could you just send more of your spirit? That was his prayer. And God gave him his spirit and then took him to the place his spirit was. See, whatever you ask for in prayer, God will answer, and he's going to give you beyond what you're even asking. We need to carry an expectation that right now we are on the precursor, the edge of a great move of God, and none of us know what's coming yet. That's okay. You don't have to. You just have to be engaged with him. Because He's going to give you those things. To it might be some of us going and doing prayer walks. It might be some of us doing it, just worship. You're you're releasing stuff in the Spirit. It could be whatever that thing is. Just fill in the gap for how God is asking you to engage with Him. But do it with an expectation that the Master has folded His His handkerchief. He's not done yet. We're not doing this out of our own efforts. We're doing this because He is actually going to show up on the scene. Amen. I want you guys stand up. I asked Pastor Derek just to come up if he had a word for for something right now, and I'm just going to have him share. Are you guys ready? I don't even know if I'm ready, but I want to be ready.
1: I I didn't even speak to Sean about anything that he was saying today. and While I was here in prayer during worship, God showed me his bride, the whole church, and he said, the church is anointed but distracted. (laughs) And he he took me to Luke chapter 4 verse 29 and verse 30 where Jesus was on the edge of a cliff. He was pressed to the edge of the cliff, the edge of town. You were talking about the Mm -hmm. edge. We're on the edge. Mm -hmm. And right there on the edge of the mob, pressing, ready to throw him over, he passed through the midst of them. And he went down and began to teach with power and authority that the people understood that he had authority. Mm. And God said, that's where the church is. They're, they're looking at the cliff and the mob that's pressing them. Wow! Everything that's going on right now is a distraction from the purpose and the plan that God has for his church. And he says that this is going to be the greatest hour, the greatest mm. move right now. And he's going to use us, his beautiful bride, to shine Come on. and bring forth his glory. Thank you, Jesus. And it's not about us. It's not a, he's not about the pastor or bishop or whoever. He's looking at nameless faces. He's looking at people that says, yes, God, it's all about you. Mm-hmm. And they get their eyes fixated on the purpose the ministry at the other end, the people that Jesus announced that the spirit of the Lord was upon him. Mm. He said, I'm here to proclaim, not my own, not things that I want to do, but I'm here to preach the acceptable year jubilee to those that are bound and those that are broken, those that, that are hurt. And God says, get your eyes on that purpose. Mm. And he says, look, the, the, there's about to be, lift your hands. There's a there's a passing through anointing that's coming upon the church. wow. Wow. <laughs> Right now, in the midst of your distress, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of all the noise, in the midst of all the masks and all the stuff that's going on. God said, you're about to pass through. The bride is about to pass through all the distraction. And you're going to the place of ministry to those that are broken. Amen. <laughs> Father, I pray right now that your church shine in this hour. Thank
0: you, Jesus.
1: Lord, we will not get our eyes fixated on the problem, Father. We will not be distracted another moment later. Father, I ask you, Lord, that the th- same thing that rests on Jesus, mm. that when the mob was pressing him, that he was in between the hard place and the mob, God. He moved, Father, through the midst of that noise and the yeah. pressure, and he taught with power and clarity, and mm. the people mm. believed. Father, I thank you that they will believe because of your bride. Our faithfulness to not look at the distractions. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stay
0: standing for a moment. I'm good. Um, You know, when we go to the Lord, when we're in that place, you have to quickly obey what God's saying, right? If he's saying to pray something really specific, it could be just this thought that comes in, you need to just go ahead and pray it. You need to go ahead and just release it out. You know, I don't know, I'm gonna... Four different prophets talked about the, the, where Jesus would come from. City of David, Bethlehem, um, Nazareth, Egypt. You know, there's four prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, Hosea, They each shared about where Jesus would come from. And have you ever noticed in scripture, it actually says, Jesus then traveled to Egypt and came out of there to fulfill the word of the prophet. Mm -hmm. He went to Bethlehem, he's from Nazareth, city of David, and then Egypt, and now, and every time it says to fulfill the word of the prophet. Now, I'm just going to leave you with this theological brain teaser was the Lord actually made himself subject to what the prophet said. The prophet said, you're going to come out of Egypt. So God brought Jesus to Egypt and then brought him out of it. So you're going to become from, you're going to to be in the lineage of David. He was born in the city of David. Now how much do we need to declare the things of heaven so that heaven can come and do it? So that heaven could come and do it. Now, on a, I love this: that Hosea, Micah, Jeremiah, Isaiah. Do you know what those words mean? They were the prophets who they were the, the, the prophets who were speaking of the messianic future of Jesus. Do you know what their names mean? Micah's names means uh, God is God is uh, in awe. Like it's a word of like God is other. Hosea means deliverance. He brought them out of Egypt. Hosea was the one that prophesied, you're going to come out of Egypt. And his name was Deliverance. Isaiah means God will be exalted. That you see, God is waiting for us to partner. So right now, just close your eyes. Lord, wherever you're calling us to partner right now, just give the Lord a yes before he tells you. Just give the Lord a yes before he tells you right now. Before he he highlights something to you, Lord, we just give you a yes. We give you a fresh yes. Father, I thank you, Lord, that the words and prayers of righteous men and women are powerful and effective. Father, we thank you right now, and we just pray, Lord, for the coming move of God, the current Lord, and the coming Lord. We want it all. We want it all, Jesus. We say be glorified, God. Be glorified, Lord, in our day. Be glorified, Jesus. We love you, Lord, and God, we just say right now, highlight any distraction that you would like to remove and deliver from our lives, Lord. Whatever that distractions, whatever that distraction is, whatever those are, Lord, right now, we've already given you a yes, so we give you permission to move us away from that and into you. Lord, whatever exchange that we're making, let it be filled with more of you. Let it be filled right now with more of you. I thank you, Lord, for releasing a divine hunger. I thank you, Lord, right now. I just just break off a glass ceiling over anyone in the room right now that feels like they've experienced everything there is to experience, that it's time for that fresh awe, that, that word of Micah, that God is other, that fresh awe, that God is good. It's going to break that glass ceiling over your life. And I see, I see some of you actually go into heaven. I see it's not for the elite few. It's just for those that, that, that want to go. It's those that, that want God. It's those that, that just want to have encounters with him because they hunger for him. Jesus, we just thank you right now. We thank you right now, Lord, for new songs. I saw new songs being released. Some of you worship leaders, worship writers, and some of you are just songwriters. You're not, you don't lead worship. You're just an artist. There's new songs being released right now. It's part of that thing that he's putting on your heart. You need to release it. It's a new day and a new season. So, Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for filling up, filling up our cups, God, to overflow. Lord, let any toxicity, anything that would be pollution to it, God, let it die. Let it all die, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit. Woo, we love you, Holy Spirit. Wow, some of you guys are such seers, and that God is like awakening. It's almost like he's bringing it from a 720 HD to like a 4K. I I just saw the Lord bringing like, you're seeing it, you're you're seeing the right thing, but he's bringing a whole new level of detail to it. So Father, I just thank you right now for fresh vision and fresh focus and fresh lenses on seers, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. And some of you doubt. I feel like the Lord is just saying right now, some of you guys have kind of doubted. You're like, well, everyone else experiences stuff like this. I don't. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Is that he made you, he, he, he crafted you, and he knows how to speak to you, and that you're constantly actually engaging with the presence. And some of you, you, you don't know it, but it's time to, 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 to let go and to break that doubt and to move in to risk-taking, to move into, you know what, if this is God, I'm just going to take a risk on this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take an action on this. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And I'm just going to speak this last thing to two, two groups in the room. One, if you're the corporate prayer, you feel like every prayer needs to be corporate, like every, every time people pray needs to be a corporate thing, I'm just going to pray for you in a moment. Uh, and if you feel like, you know, kind of like that independent spirit that you kind of like, you kind of like buck the idea of going to a prayer meeting, I'm going to pray for you in a moment because both of them are wrong. God can meet you in the bedroom and can meet you in the prayer meeting. One's not right, one's not wrong. We need to be able to step with grace and confidence into both, even if one is outside of our comfort zone. Even if one, even if we don't have a prayer closet, we just have like a public prayer closet, we just have like a public closet, you need to develop a prayer closet. And some of us, if you've never been to a prayer meeting, you need to come to a prayer meeting stop bucking the leadership of the Lord off of you and allow him to lead you into a new place. So Father, I thank you right now for, just for, for engaging on a whole new level. It's like those little things that have kept us uh, from engaging, God right now is violently going after in our lives. And there's a grace to simply move off of it. There's a grace to simply move powerfully in to what he's doing right now. So Father, I thank you. And we just say, Lord, let every move of God bring great glory to Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that our city, our region, our area, our church, God, the church in the West, in America, Lord, the church all over the globe, Lord, we say, let Jesus be enthroned. Let Jesus be enthroned. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Now just put your hand on your heart. Same prayer for us. Jesus, be enthroned right here. Be enthroned right here, God. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.